Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of Future Thinking with me, Chris Slowly, the editor of CityWire Selector. Rather than the advertised episode with Carmen Carmen Darian, today we'll be speaking to Timon de Jong. Timon is a futurist, academic and author who has a specialism in trend spotting. And if, like me, you're now working remotely, relying on Zoom calls, mobile phones and other virtual interactions, Timon has some excellent insights into what that can mean for you psychologically. He'll also talk about what he calls the pendulum of trust and how governments are, for the first time in a long time, moving to the forefront of people's minds. So please listen, subscribe, like, and enjoy. I'm. It's the. I'm actually having a uh, external mic, so oh, I don't fantastic. know how the sound is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought the one. Oh, that was really good sound. That came through really clearly. So uh, I don't know if you want me to keep it like this, if that's better, or if it's just here on the desk. I think up close. I mean, I'm. I can't say anything, so I've got these. But it's. If you could, that'd be great. Can so you see like me this. or can you just see a wall? No, I can see you, but there is oh, a little, good. sometimes there's a little glitch on the line. I don't know how it's... I got told, and I don't want to, but I got told um, turning off the camera improves the sound quality for some reason. Oh, because that might be bandwidth. Yeah. So oh, if it's we... not too surreal for you, I'll turn off the camera for myself. Yeah, I'll, I'll do the same because there was um, I, I, there were a few hiccups. In, in okay, few, yeah, because we videos. lagged slightly at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had two, so uh, so now it's more of a podcast where we can't see each other. Uh, I know, but I think we do lose slightly <laughs> the human element with that. We are now just a phone call, but no, thank yeah, you. Yeah, but but, but people, people will be listening to it, so so that's true. Uh, well, because th that's the thing with the video, because uh, you you probably have had a few uh, video meetings over the past few weeks. Yes, yeah. Is that if you're in a phone call? It's different than when you're in a video call because in the video call, you see yourself and then you're very conscious mm. of your hand gestures and you can actually use body language um, uh, to, to actually uh, 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 use <laughs> as a tool to communicate. Yeah, While now we're not seeing each other, so now I have to use words or, you know, my voice to say it's very big because otherwise, you know, if, <laughs> if the video would be on, I would use my hands to do it very big. And then so um, it I might be. Mean. I think a lot of people are adjusting because there seems to be this weird middle ground. So we've gone from face to face meetings and phone calls to having this sort of halfway house where you're not in the room with the person, but you still want to, I was going to say, influence them or at least get your point across with nonverbal cues as well. and. That's, but it's sort of, I was gonna say it's artificial, but it's not artificial. It's slightly delayed because you are still doing it from a remote location. Yeah. It's like one step removed from personal contact. Yeah, and, and the, 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 so if, if I'd be looking at you on my screen, I'm not looking straight into my camera. So uh, that's, that's also the thing. You see people, especially if, you're, if your body, your face is quite close to your laptop, you see people looking at a weird angle. So you're not looking, normally I'd look straight at you if we meet face to face, but now I'm looking, let's say at your cheek or your ear <laughs> or your chin. It feels like that. So, uh, but if I look into my camera, because I know where my camera is, then I, I'm not watching your, your, your video feed. So it's, it's just. What do you think? I mean, without jumping straight into what we're going to, the, the idea of, sort of trust and confidence. Do you think that has impact for trust and confidence? Because we aren't properly interacting. We are talking, we can see each other, but that point is really valid that if I were to stare down the barrel of the camera, 
you would then see me looking like away from you. So exactly. that loses some of that intimacy. Yeah. So so that's so what I the first thing I do in the. Uh, um... Uh, when I set up my screen for a meeting, I try to put all the people that I'm I'm watching as close to my camera as possible. So these people, yeah, so I can see them, but then they're close to my camera. So if then they are looking at me, it, it seems like I'd be looking at them. So they're not at the, let's say the bottom right corner of my screen, because uh, then my face, my body will be turned to that side uh, and then it, it's just off. Um, no, but so so the interesting thing is uh, there's been research, uh, like neuro research, into uh, what happens on a neural level if you communicate via a screen uh, and when you communicate face-to-face in real life. And the instinct thing, different parts of the brain light up. And even if you have, because now we have these laptop screens and it's all, it's, it's not too high res, but even if I put you on a... Uh, a full-size screen, it's 4K or 8K, what's the highest quality we have these days? So I see you uh, uh, full-size, super screen, there's no delay in video or audio, and still on neural level, there's a difference. So then there are different theories out there. What is it that makes the brain respond different that when I see you real, is it... Is, does it have to do with smell? So not that I really smell you, but subconsciously there's something in the air. Uh, does it have to do with energy? Um, there is a difference. We respond differently to a real human being than if we see them even brilliantly on, on uh, uh, the, best, the best screens and audio video technology that we have. And we still don't know exactly why. I think we're going to get to this is really interesting because as much as this is unknowable how long this will last, there is an element of sort of, I suppose, Zoom and video conferencing etiquette to follow as well, because you want to have that interaction and you want to convey confidence and um, knowledge and trust. But again, it feels slightly hard to do because you are not in the room with somebody. And even like I know it's slightly pop psychology pop body language but if you look at subtle cues like the way somebody's feet are pointing or how they're sat in their chair and i mean here we don't have video so i was going to say for all you know i could be wandering around the room sort of staring out of a window i'm not thankfully (laughs) but it's it is um, a slightly strange medium and do you think it is impacting trust do you think it could be having Uh, long-term effects because what I've heard is people are probably going to use this type of technology more even after things go back to normal yes Uh, probably probably because there are some benefits Uh, of course it's hyper efficient and the people who love efficiency love these zoom skype uh team meetings uh because meetings are actually shorter so you know that's already in research if you have a digital meeting uh, a video meeting it's shorter it's more to the point the problem is that if you look at relationships and uh connection and uh, are people really engaged people are not that engaged not connected to their fellow video meeting participants and the problem is that uh the interesting thing is the connection between people is not made in you know the meeting you know all the the the, uh the subjects that are to be discussed the things that are on the agenda no the connection is made 
right before the meeting starts. The small talk when you enter an office room, the small talk you have when, you know, there's a window, something outside happens and in the meeting, someone says, hey, look at, look at, you look, look at a truck down there. And then when the meeting ends, you say, oh, shall we have a coffee or what do you think? Uh, you get in the elevator together. And, and the interesting thing is that is where the connection, the engagement, the relationships are being built. Uh, and that's what's lost in most, not all in most uh, video conferencing. It's interesting, yeah, because you say that a colleague of mine said he was doing a team meeting and he works in PR and they have quite serious meetings where they talk about goals and I was going to say whatever they talk about in PR as if I was completely naive to it. But he said the nicest part of it was the team, the person running the meeting stepped back at one point and just went, oh, has anyone else gone a bit mad? And it became like a normal conversation. And it was that sort of incidental conversation around it. Because like you said, I mean, some of these video conferencing apps limit you to 40 minutes. So you have to be efficient, else the meeting will end without you having covered everything. But I think we are losing some of that. Um, the, the things that make you warm to people in some ways as well can be lost in that sense. I, I think what your friend did, especially... <laughs> <laughs> going, you know, asking a question. So what I recommend, um, and this is the thing you, you can do in physical meetings as well, but it's extremely important in video meetings. If you are the meeting leader, start the meeting and you have to carefully prepare this by asking a personal question. I see. And, and this is counterintuitive because most of us do not really like these video meetings. One or two a week used to be fine, but now we have a few a day. People are like, let's get this over with as fast as possible. Um, but I, so it's counterintuitive to actually, as a meeting leader, ask a personal question. So things like, uh, let's do a quick round. What was the best uh, television series or movie you've seen that helps you get through these uh, lockdown times and tell us why? Yeah. Um, or an open question, you know, tell me how you're doing, but give me something good and give me something bad about how you're doing right now. And by saying something positive and something negative, that makes us inherently human, sharing a personal side of, you know, how you're feeling. And that, that, then that creates a connection and actually makes the meeting more productive and people more engaged. So yes, you lose a few minutes, but you gain engagement, productivity and, and, and connection between the, 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 the members. Moving slightly sideways, Tim, on one, your job title, you are a futurist. You are somebody who looks at how trends and, and sort of large scale structural shifts happen. How, and I was going to ask the biggest question of all, how do you see coronavirus, COVID-19 changing what was, what was on the horizon? I mean, when you spoke to us in Amsterdam last year, there was a lot of talk about how companies needed to harness emotional AI. And there was also, um, in your presentation, you talked about um, the need to be willing to disrupt yourself, I think, if I remember correctly. Do you oh. think... Sorry. <laughs> I, I tried to not use the word disrupt. Uh, I've dropped it. Right. Okay. We'll put that in as like a, a bingo thing. If I say that, we'll bleep it from the... Yeah, oh, no, that's fine. That's, we can joke about <laughs> disrupting. Um but, sorry, but it's was... a good question. So is, is this Corona, uh, it, the crisis we're in, is that a disruptor to the world? Does this change everything? Is this a paradigm shift? Is this a reset for the world? Um, that's, of course, the big question everyone tries to answer. Uh, and the interesting thing is what we see right now is that most people are projecting their own desired future on 
<laughs> the post-corona times, let's let's call them that. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are predicting, all right, so this is nature telling us you've gone too far and, uh, you know, we really, you know, this is, this is a, a, a wake-up call and after this we'll start to produce differently, pollute less, fly less, uh, you know, uh, uh, buy less, uh, waste less. Um, but I, I don't know. I put a question mark there. Uh, there are many things we don't know yet and, and that is because we don't know how long this crisis uh, will be in. The interesting thing is we, if we get a... Uh, a vaccine quite soon, then we'll probably bounce back quite quickly to our old behaviors. Uh, if this lasts for a very long, the, the longer the crisis is, the bigger the chance this will be indeed a fundamental reset. If it's just a short crisis, then unfortunately what we see you know, throughout history will bounce back. So this was the, uh, I don't know, we don't know. There are too many uncertainties uh, and, and many predictions that we hear from all kinds of experts, politicians and uh, opinion leaders is that, a pre you know, that's what one thing we see people project their desired future. Um, but there are a few things we can say. <laughs> um, and one thing that we already can see uh, is uh, on the on, on the theme of trust in society. This is one of our main research themes. Where is trust in society? Uh, and this is this is actually a paradigm shift. So I can actually say here we see something happen uh, that is actually a fundamental shift, and I call it the trust pendulum. Uh, and what we see right now is the end of an almost 15-year-long trend where trust in society, because we measure that, uh, has been shifting from the, um, we call it the formal and institutional, moving away from that, towards the informal and personal spheres. So the formal and institutional, that is governments, institutions, academia, uh, large brands, companies, um, to the informal and personal, that's actually people. So I, I don't trust the political party anymore, but I do trust that one politician. I don't trust that one big brand, but I do trust that. I do trust Chris because he's the representative. He is the one I'm in contact with. That is where my trust is. If I want to buy a product, I'll go online for peer reviews and I don't go to a traditional source of information anymore. Now, we've seen that shift, you know, you know, moving more and more to the personal and informal. We've seen it everywhere, healthcare, academia, uh, politics, of course, if we look at some uh, political leaders around the world. Now, the interesting thing is uh, that has come to an end and we have, you know, the pendulum going the other way. And we see now that trust is rapidly uh, with large, uh, well, with quite a high velocity back towards the formal and institutional. And we see that in a crisis, trust is moving back to governments, uh, the national healthcare uh, uh, systems and institutions, the NHS in the UK, um, experts, academics. Uh, there was a wonderful study uh, done, I think, two weeks ago, global study, uh, which showed that 85% of respondents asked about uh, so we're in this corona crisis. Who would you like more information uh, from? 85% of respondents said, we like to hear more of scientists. 
So not peers, not politicians, no scientists. Uh, and the interesting thing is that, that uh, you know, the economies have been shut down, but the vital sectors are still up. And what do we see? The vital sectors, that is mostly the formal and institutional sectors that are now up. And they're keeping countries, societies uh, afloat. Um, and are actually, they're actually people are risking their lives. Um, and this is a, a fundamental shift. And uh, it's probably also, uh, and I can explain a bit more, a, a, um, a shift that will last for longer than just this, this corona crisis. I think, yeah, if you could expand further, because I think what we've seen here is there has been a huge surge of support and, uh, well, yeah, support, I suppose, is the word for frontline workers like there never has been before. And what may have been considered high profile jobs, I mean, I'm not going to join the plethora of people who are kicking professional footballers, but people who were previously held in high regard have sort of fallen down the pecking order because that trust has been swung back towards people who are actually on the front lines combating a major crisis. But do you think that's sustainable? Do you think that would that pendulum would swing back any time? Well, of course, the New York Times had an article last week, celebrity, celebrity culture is burning. Uh, all these mm. pro footballers, Madonna, singers, artists, rich people uh, who are having a wonderful time on their yachts and villas in quarantine um, yeah. and are donating, you know, bragging about their donations to a good cause. while it's only a fraction of uh, their earnings. Um uh, well, it's easy to donate a million dollars, uh, but how about, uh, you know, uh, your local nurse who is actually risking her life uh, and who's under-equipped? That is, that is quite a different. And those are the true heroes right now. And the interesting thing is that when the corona crisis will be over... Uh, we'll still remember that. Uh, to give you an example, um, I, I live in the Netherlands, here in the Netherlands. Uh, the 5th of May is our uh, national uh, celebration where we uh, celebrate the end of World War II. And yeah. uh, up until today, we invite uh, Canadian veterans here because they help to free our country. And we are still, you know, uh, our relationship with Canada even it's more than 60 years ago, the end of World War II, Canada is still our friend because they came to our rescue when World War II was here. And I actually expect we'll see some of that when it comes to nurses, when it comes to uh, garbage collectors, when it comes to people working in supermarkets and are stocking up the shelves. Uh, they have actually, well, risked their lives, risked their health. They were there while we were sitting comfortably, and I'm you know, air quotes here, comfortably in our quarantine, they were still at work uh, outside and are actually, uh, you know, risking their life in an underpaid job. Um, and some of that will take some of that with us in, in the post-corona times. And next time when the nurses go on strike because they want a higher pay, politicians can say, oh, sorry, we, you know, we, 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 you know, there's, yeah. sorry, there's no much, there's, we, we run out of money. It's like, you know, we were there. <laughs> we were there risking our lives uh and you, you you're saying there's you know there's there's no money so you know from a a uh, negotiation standpoint from an appreciation standpoint this will they they will take this with them for 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 years and years to come 
Timon, thank you very much. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me. There's a lot of interesting things in there, a lot of trends, a lot of themes to look out for, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot to sink your teeth into. So thank you again. Okay, Chris, can I, can I uh, add a piece of advice? Yeah, please do. So for, for 10 years, we have heard experts, uh, myself included, to say, think more like a startup, be more personal, uh, um, be more like, you know, maybe let's say that Silicon Valley darling uh, company full of innovation and disruption. There's the word. Uh, now I would recommend to do the opposite. Be more like your government because the government is spending all the money they have and they don't have to try to keep you know society and economies afloat. And I would actually recommend uh, commercial organizations, so private companies to do the same. Um, and I see all these wonderful initiatives where large corporates are donating millions, but then, you know, you take a look at their numbers and they have billions in the bank and they, tr you know, they're trying to, um, help out, but are they helping us out as much as our local government are, you know, our national health service workers are, and I would actually encourage companies to step up and do a bit more. Think, look, what would the government do? And I know it's shareholders and isn't making money and we're a you know, private company. But in these crisis times, I'd actually, <laughs> the advice would be, be more, what would the government do? That's great. That's a great note to end on. Thank you very much, Timon. Thanks for taking All the right. time. All right. Cheers.